Genesis 26, beginning at verse 34. This is the word of God. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, uh, before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you may bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to him to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went, excuse me, so he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate. And he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, 
And Isaac smelled the smell of the garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn Isaac or Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me out these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, 
you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the offspring of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. This is God's word, and we thank him for it. There's a song from 12 years ago named Hey There Delilah by the dreadfully named Plain White Tees. Never heard of them either, except this song. Anybody know it? Okay, Johnny's saying no, Richard's saying kind of sheepish, sheepish, yes. Okay, I think it's a great song. It's about, it's about a guy who has fallen in love with a woman called Delilah. She's in university in New York, and he's stuck a thousand miles away. And I know that because the first verse goes like this. <clears throat> Not going to sing. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away. But girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Times Square can't shine as bright as you. The women are all smiling, and Richard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it is a terrific song, and please do go home and look it up on YouTube. I love the comments that some folk on YouTube have left. There's a few golden nuggets, like this one. I proposed to my girlfriend when this was playing. She said no. He wasn't laughing. Then there's my favorite comment. I'm going to name my future daughter Delilah. Yeah, amen. Interesting comment, because even in Eden Grove, we have many, many, many wonderful Bible names. We have Daniel, Samuel, Lydia, Lois, Petra, James, Adam, Rachel. We have John. We have David. Scott's not a Bible name, sorry. But ask yourself, would you name your daughter Delilah? The woman of the night who seduced and trapped Samson, who through his own stupidity got caught out by the Philistines. Probably not, although I found out today that Kira Knightley has named her daughter Delilah. It's funny how we kind of think that we know Bible characters. We remember Abraham as the man of faith, not in the first instance as the guy who pawned off his own wife to Pharaoh to save his own skin. We don't think of Noah as the guy who got drunk and cursed his son. We remember Solomon as the brilliant and wise king, not the apostate, who built a temple to Moloch so his wives and concubines could sacrifice their newborn children. But because there is so much in the Bible, and there is a lot in the Bible, it's kind of easy to presume that we know folk by their reputation. I love Numbers 12.3, where it says about Moses, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. 
which is great until you realize Moses wrote that. Or Gideon, who in Judges 8 very humbly refuses to be king because only God is king and then names his child Abimelech, which means my father is king. Humility is widespread. The Bible is filled with these brilliant little nuggets that challenge our preconceived ideas of what certain people are like. But I do hope that that YouTuber does indeed do a little bit of research before little Delilah comes along and joins little Jezebel. That's a joke. Tough crowd. But tonight, if I asked you what you thought of Isaac, or Rebecca, or Jacob, or even poor old Esau, what would you say? Well, Isaac was the child of promise, born to Abraham and Sarah after 25 years of waiting for God to come good on his promise. Rebecca was the beautiful woman who kindly offered to water Isaac's camels with 458 liters of water. Don't know what that is in pints, sorry, I'm from the Republic. Jacob, who's Jacob? Well, Jacob was the guy who wrestled the angel and the angel was overcome. And Esau was the fool who sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Now that's all true, but it's not quite the whole picture. So tonight we're going to be thinking a little about what this family looks like and what it has to teach us folks tonight. And then Richard, you can go home and get the guitar out and practice. Hey there, Delilah. Or, hey there, Deirdre. Deirdre's looking. Sorry. It'll be edited from the website, don't worry. We're going to be looking at the text in three parts. Firstly, about Rebecca. Then we'll be thinking about Isaac. And then we'll be thinking about Jacob and Esau. And if you have your Bibles open in front of you, please, please do open it to Genesis 26. And Genesis 26 is in, sorry, very bad memory, page 21 of the small print Bible and page 26 the proper size print. If you have it on your phone, please do open it there. And I want us to read a few verses together, aloud and all together. Don't worry about pronunciation. Mumbling is fine. We'll be reading verses 26, 34, and 35. Okay? Everyone there? Ready? Chapter 26, verses 34 and 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Now, can we read chapter 27, verse 46? A wee bit further down. 27, 46. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my wife because of these Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women, like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? What did you pick up out of those verses? Basically, Isaac and Rebekah's son Esau has married these two women, Biri and Judith, and they're Hittites. I don't know what reputation Balna Hinch women have. In my experience, you've been nothing but a pleasure. But these two Hittite ladies are apparently disasters. They have made life bitter for the in-laws, for Isaac and Rebekah. 
So much so that Rebecca dreads even the thought that her other son, Jacob, would marry one of those women. Especially because she knows that Isaac is old and probably Isaac doesn't have a lot of time left on the earth. So Rebecca's worried for two things here. One, if Isaac dies and Esau becomes top dog as the firstborn son, her household is going to become a nightmare. She'll be the little old lady stuck in the corner with these dreadful in-laws. And second, if Jacob, who's her favorite, marries one of these women, she will be literally out of all her options. Esau or Jacob should be stuck with these dreadful in-laws. So what does this little old lady do? The one who once watered a herd of camels with 458 liters of water. Well, she goes about and does the thing that all little old ladies everywhere are innately skilled at. She starts to plan. And wow, Rebecca is a smart woman. She starts with a two-point plan. If she was Presbyterian, it would have been three, but two. Tough crowd tonight. So her plan, two points. One, get Isaac the blessing of the firstborn. And two, get Isaac out of Dodge before Esau kills him. Or even worse, he marries a Hittite. Genius. And before anybody can start screaming, oh, poor Esau, Esau, the famed hunter who apparently made the best meat stew in the, world, in the Middle East, Esau has already sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. A bowl of lentils when you're the best hunter in the Middle East. Moses interprets that in Genesis 25, that Esau actually despised his birthright. Even from the get-go, it was worth nothing to him. And on top of that, Rebecca has already been told by the Lord before they were born that the older would serve the younger in Genesis 25. So please, at this stage, don't be thinking yet, ah, oh, poor Esau, he was conned. Esau was, by all accounts, a waster who despised his birthright, didn't respect his parents. And nowhere in Scripture is it ever, ever commanded or valued of having more than one wife per time, especially from outside God's people. That's one thing I love about Isaac. He had only one wife, because Rebecca was his one true love. But firstborn or not, Isaac was in no way fitting to be the patriarch of this family. So Rebecca eavesdrops on this conversation between Isaac and Esau. In verses 1 to 4, Isaac calls Esau, tells him he's not long for this world, but he wants to bless Esau. But before he does that, he wants a bowl of this delicious stew. So go off, hunt, get an animal, make me some tasty stew, and then I'll bless you. In verses 5 to 10, Rebecca's listening in. And as soon as Esau leaves, she puts her plan into action. She tells Jacob what the story is. She tells him to bring in a couple of young goats. She'll cook them up. She'll do all the work. All he has to do is pretend to be Esau. Rebecca's thought of everything. She's even preempted Jacob's objection that, well, he's nice and smooth while Esau's all hairy. She knows how to get her in that. 
In verse 15, she gives Jacob Esau's clothes, so he even smells like his brother. And then in verse 16, she puts the goat skin on his hands, on the back of his neck. So just in case, just in case Isaac says, come close, and gives him a pat on the neck, you'll think it's the hairy man, Esau. Can't fail. Can't fail. So Jacob goes in, in disguise, and carrying some delicious goat stew. Now from verses 18 to 29, we're going to think a little about Isaac. Now I know that Isaac had really bad eyesight by this point, but I think that Moses wants us to give Isaac a little bit of a break here. Isaac wasn't an idiot. Look at the hints that Moses includes in this section. Jacob doesn't wander in, and then Isaac says, Hey, Esau, let's eat. Instead, there's at least five moments where Isaac really doubts if this is indeed Esau. Verse 18, in response to being called my father, Isaac doesn't say, Esau. He says, who are you? Isaac only had two sons, Jacob and Esau. If he didn't think it was Esau, he only has one other option. Even when Jacob lies and says he is Esau, Isaac still does not seem so sure. In verse 20, he says, how are you so fast? How are you so fast? How did you do all that so quickly? And he still doesn't call him Esau. He calls him my son. In verse 21, he obviously has a doubt who this guy is. Come closer, just so I can feel your skin, just to be sure. In verse 22, and this for me is pretty unbelievable, he actually says, that's Jacob's voice. In verse 24, he just outright says, are you really Esau? Was Isaac really that naive? I don't know how you go around spending your free time, but I certainly don't go around petting goats or hairy men. But would goat skin pass for the skin of a man, even if he's hairy? Really? Because Isaac here has enough doubt to keep on asking. Is it you? Are you sure? Come here. You sound like Jacob. If it really was Esau, you would imagine that Esau would have just said, why do you not believe it's me, Father? Why do you not believe? Why didn't he call Rebecca to check? Why didn't he call Jacob to stand beside Esau? Was he really that naive that despite all of his doubts, he just goes along with the flow? Or did he really think it could possibly be Jacob? I think it's ambiguous at best. In verse 23, he didn't recognize him because of the hairy hands. Recognize can also mean acknowledge in Hebrew. So even if it was Jacob, he didn't acknowledge that it was him. He turned a blind eye because he wanted him to get the blessing. And he had enough reasons to say he was tricked. In verse 33, when Isaac trembles, when the real Esau shows up, it doesn't say why he trembled. Is he horrified that Jacob tricked him? Or is he afraid of the reaction of this firebrand Esau? 
The reason I think Isaac was not tricked but went along with it is because of the opening of chapter 28, part two of Rebecca's plan to get Slippy Jake to safety and away from marrying the Hittites, is to get Isaac to send him away. And maybe Rebecca's plan was to manipulate Isaac into thinking, oh, remember when Abraham sent me away and I saw this beautiful woman, attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man has known. Maybe that was fresh in his mind. But when Isaac calls in Jacob in 28.1, notice what he does not do. He doesn't lambast him for fooling him. He's not shouting at him for stealing the inheritance. In fact, he doesn't even mention it. If he was that annoyed at being fooled, this would be a good time to do it. Instead, what happens? Instead, we read, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from among the Canaanite women. He does exactly what Rebecca has asked. And instead of shouting at him, berating him and scolding him, he actually blesses him. Was dear old Isaac that naive? No, I don't think so. And in fact, if you read verses 3 to 5, Isaac puts Jacob directly, directly in the line of the blessing that was given from God to his father Abraham. God bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Folks, that is a really weird way to react to someone who has stolen the blessing of the firstborn. <clears throat> But folks, that's not even the blessing that the author of Hebrews is referring to in chapter 11. Instead, the author of Hebrews says that it was by faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And Esau. Isaac was a man of faith. This is why he gave the blessings. So for the last section, we're going to think about what blessings were actually invoked by faith. On Jacob and Esau. The blessing Jacob gets is in 27, 27 to 29. See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. That's Jacob's blessing. What about Esau's blessing? Well, Esau's blessing is in 27, 39, and 40. <clears throat> Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Great blessing. There's nothing really new there either. It fulfills the prophecy that the Lord had given to Rebekah before they were born. In 25, 23. Two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you. 
shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And we can see that working out in the bigger picture of Scripture. Uh, We can see it when Esau becomes the father of the Edomites and Jacob becomes Israel, God's chosen people. Edom becomes a thorn in the side of God's people. If you read Numbers and Kings and the rest of the Old Testament history, you will see that it was Edom who refused to help the Israelites and ultimately are destroyed. But the two blessings, the two blessings that Isaac gives by faith are related to each other. Effectively, Jacob is blessed as the one who is served. Esau is blessed as the one who serves. Jacob in 29 is told, let people serve you. Esau in 40, you shall serve your brother. The older shall serve the younger. And it's important to remember that this is actually a blessing. This is not a curse. It was a blessing that Isaac gave to Esau by faith. But folks, what is Esau's reaction to this blessing? This blessing to serve Well, Esau doesn't believe it's a blessing, does he? We even know that the author, that uh, Esau, never believed. Never believed. The author of Hebrews in 12.16 calls Esau sexually immoral. Probably a reference to the two pagan wives. An unholy. Someone who sold his birthright for a single meal. And even when he tried to repent to get the blessing... He was rejected. Esau's reaction is in 2741. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He didn't hate Jacob because he had fooled him. How could he? He was the idiot who had sold his birthright. That was his choice. Instead, it's the blessing that he got, the blessing of servanthood that drives him crazy. And what's his reaction? Wait until Isaac is dead, then kill Jacob. Then who's going to be head of the family again? Esau. Esau will be king of the castle. Esau refused the blessing because he didn't believe. That's why Esau refused the blessing. He wanted to be king. He wanted to be the head. He wanted to be the patriarch. He wanted the fat of the land. He wanted the awesome dwelling place. He didn't weep because of the sin itself, not because he was sexually immoral or unholy or despised his birthright. He wept because he didn't get what he wanted. He was weeping over the consequence of sin. And we know that for sure because his reaction is to do what Cain did, murder his brother. This big picture, I don't know what your Christmas dinners are like, but this big picture might sound familiar to some of us. But I hope in it that we can see a much bigger picture a much bigger picture. 
Look at Rebecca. Yeah, sure, she had a vision and a plan. But really, really her plan was just self-serving. Isaac, I didn't realize this until I uh, wrote this this week. Isaac seems to spend an amazing amount of time thinking about food. When we read in Genesis 25:28 that Isaac loved Esau, it was because Esau, like our Isaac, loved his food. Imagine that. So, who's your favorite son, Isaac? Esau. Why? Stew is great. The other fella can only cook lentils. Esau's eyes are fixed solely on the blessing, or what he thinks the blessing he deserves is. Not about the two horrible wives that are mistreating the in-laws. Slippy Jake seems to have about as much spine as a jellyfish. He does everything without a single complaint, and it's a trend that continues in chapters 29 and 30. He spends the next, he spends that time listening to his wives on everything about which of his servants he should sleep with next. You'll go home and read that, I'm sure. Folks, we've said a million times that the Old Testament is not a collection of moral stories and characters that we're supposed to get principles by to live out good lives. We hear, dare to be a Daniel, have the faith of Abraham, be a Rebecca. Folks, is that really the best that we can do? Morals, is it? Who do you want your child to be like? Jellyfish Jake? Would you like a mother-in-law like Sneaky Rebecca? Or Isaac? Or Esau? None of that is good news. None of that is good news. But what is the good news in this story? What is the good news? Well, folks, who is the true king? The one who, unlike jellyfish Jacob, actually deserves to be served. The true king who is worthy of honor and praise the true king at whose name we should bow, the true king that all people who on earth do dwell should serve, the one with the name that is above every name and at whose, na and at whose name every knee will bow, either in heaven or on earth or under the earth. Because, folks, it is not Jacob. It is not Jacob. It's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But also, who's the true servant? The one who in his incarnation came far away from the Jew of heaven on high. The one who despite the blessings of servanthood didn't despise it, but exercised it in love and humility. The one who Paul says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not Esau. Not Esau. Because the one who came, who was born in the likeness of man, came not to be served,
but came to serve. For the, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. The firstborn, as Paul calls Christ in Colossians 1, the firstborn who came to serve. And folks, how are we ransomed by this firstborn servant? How are we in the many that he has ransomed? We're ransomed through his death on the cross. By faith. By faith. Folks, the thing that sets Isaac and Jacob and Rebekah and you and me apart from Esau is not that we are great. We're not great. Rebekah wasn't great. Isaac wasn't great. Jacob, we're not great. Even in our best times, we are not great. We're certainly not perfect. We need forgiveness. We need Christ. Believe it or not, too, we need encouragement. I'm very aware that a lot of sermons, mine especially, are sometimes like jumping down folks' throats, asking, are you saved, are you saved, are you saved? If you're not, repent, or you will wake up in hell one day. And you know, all of that is true. Without a saving faith in Christ, you will wake up in hell. And if you're not on board, get on board. But tonight, folks, as I look out, I broadly think I see folk who are not counting on their own sense of goodness. I think I see folk who know that they need Christ. Folk who are resting and depending on him. You could be anywhere else tonight you're here. I think I see folk who gladly sing his praise and thank Christ for all that he has done for us and is doing for us and will continue to do for us all the days of our lives. I see folk who I don't think are interested in hearing another 101 things that we have to do to be good enough for God because someday if we're good enough we might just get into heaven. I think I see folk who believe, who know that the only thing the law does is kill us. It doesn't save us. The law killed Christ on the cross. But folks, he overcame death. And if our faith is in him, we will be resurrected like him. Tonight, folks, we thank God for what Christ has done for us. We thank Christ that he came to serve. What does a servant do? Works. He has finished the work. It is finished. The work is over. And we are inv invited to rest in him. That's the whole point of Christ dying for us, is to receive and rest in his finished work. Not break our backs with more stuff to try and be good enough for God. Tonight we thank God for his word.